When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. And it's myself, Sean Bastow, with co-host Jordy Neal, joining me to talk about DeGale versus Eubank and the reactions to that bout, plus the undercard fights as well. But before we get into it, I just need to let you know to go over and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or any other good available podcasting app. And you can find us on the social media handles at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and be on the ropes boxing podcast on Facebook BTR boxing podcast on Facebook so Jordy let's talk about it then DeGale versus Eubank Eubank wins and he wins via a unanimous decision and it's looking like the end of DeGale's career and maybe the start of Eubank's career yeah definitely the start of you know, Eubank's career at that level definitely you know he's been in, in the past as we've seen but you know we've got to keep it relative and just see what he beat in James Miguel. It was such a shame to see you know him at that sort of level with the talent he's got. But you know boxing has a funny way of you know cutting people's short uh, careers short very quickly, and it looks like that's what it's done to James Miguel. He sort of he has shown signs in his past few fights, but you know I was on record saying I thought he still had enough. Clearly didn't, but you know well done to Eubank. I've never been a big fan, and probably still not a big. Fan. He's definitely put himself in the reckoning for some big fights. Yeah, definitely putting himself in the reckoning for some big fights. And we did both say last week we thought DeGale might just edge it if he's still got something left on the tank. And we both reiterated the fact that it depends on whether he's got something left in the tank. And I, he, he didn't really show it, to be honest with you. And in the post-fight interview, he just felt like he didn't do enough. But the problem I felt was that he was throwing one shot and then clinging on. To, to Eubank and, and, and like the Klitschko tactic that he used to use for years on end where people didn't like him 
in the heavyweight division until he fought Joshua in in that fight because he was doing that style of tactics every single fight. And DeGale employed it in this fight and it didn't look great. It looked horrible, it looked messy, and it made him look like a shell of his former self, like you said there, and it was quite sad to see that. But on the flip side of the coin, I felt like it was one of the most composed performances from Eubank that I've seen in his career. Yeah, I mean, he definitely toned down his, you know, the brash and the showboating that we've seen that I've not really enjoyed. But, you know, I definitely think he listened to listened to anyone in the past. He definitely looked more composed and, you know, a more rounded fighter. No, but, you know, you've, you have got to remember what James DeGale, as you were saying, he was sort of throwing one, two punches maximum and looking to hold. And, you know, sometimes that's just a sign of James DeGale's complete lack of confidence in himself. And, you know, he's the one who's done training camp. He's the one who knows exactly how he feels. And maybe he just knew deep down that he wasn't there no more. But, you know, throughout his career, James DeGale's shown a very good chin. He's shown he's got a lot of heart. And he showed that on Saturday night. He's done well to get through the 12 rounds, I thought. You know, he he didn't once look to swallow it or, you know, get himself out of there. He's a credit to himself in that in that sense. He's a very, very tough man, but you know, someone who's that naturally talented and someone who's been to the heights he has, whether people are like him or not, you know, he's climbed to the top of the mountain, he's become world champion, he's been Olympic champion. You know, people people can only like think of that in the wildest dreams and he's done it, so I'm sure that's not the way he wants to go out, but and it's definitely not to Chris Eubank, but you know, the sport it's such an unforgiving sport and you know, he's just been on the end of that. Yeah, he has. I, I think I think personally now I'll say it on record and I'll say he should call it a day I don't really want to see him do anything else now at this point there's nothing else he can really do he can ne- I don't think he'll ever get back to world level if he decided to stay on no, no, you're right. There's nothing to prove anymore. You, you just listed it there, but listing off his actual achievements, we've got the fact he was an Olympic gold medalist, the fact that he was British, Commonwealth, European, and two-time RBF world champion for me is enough. And a lot of boxers will never achieve anything near that in their careers. So for him to go out and say he's made his mark on boxing, he, he has. He really has. And, and that was something... You know, someone on Twitter was waffling on to me about on Saturday night, was saying, you know, like, he's not made his mark in boxing. Well, what else do you want him to do to make his mark in boxing? Because, like I said, not many people, boxers, will ever achieve that level. And everyone gets in it to become a world champion, but not everybody even reaches the heights of British champion. So, for him to have achieved what he's achieved, fair enough, great, fantastic. You know, not the best career that we've seen out there, but definitely more than respectable. And fair play to him for, for getting in and giving it a go and... You know, he came up short on the night and it's probably time to retire. But going over to Eubank then, Jordy, something that has been a controversial topic between ourselves and, you know, the comments I was making on Saturday was that I felt like it's time for him to get a legitimate world title shot against you know, maybe the WBC or WBO uh, or WBA champion, sorry, because that's where he's highly ranked with. However, I know your thoughts are a little bit different and, uh, you know, share the thoughts with the listeners. What What's your initial reaction to that? Do you think he deserves a shot or do you think it's just boxing politics? Yeah, no, I don't believe he deserves a shot, but, you know, despite the fact that I'm not a massive fan, it's actually not... I just don't like the state of the sport. Like, I've said this to you, I don't understand how one... I, it wasn't even a very good performance from Eubank, if we're, if we're brutally honest. One decent performance shouldn't lead to a world title shot in a division you haven't spent no time in. He's a career middleweight. He's done a little bit of super middleweight, but you know he is a career middleweight. So I don't... That performance against James Daly, Wayne at his best, 
does want a world title shot. However, as you say, he's highly ranked for one reason or another. There's about five versions of world titles that fighters can win these days. So the brutal truth is he probably is going to get a world title shot. But, you know, if he's clever about it, I'd probably stay away from Callum Smith. Well, he'd definitely stay away from Callum Smith, definitely for the foreseeable, because, you know, I think Smith's by far and away the best in that division at the moment. And I don't think he'll go near Caleb Plan because, you know, himself was a big, fully-fledged super middleweight. So there's obviously going to be um, opportunities in the WBC where he's highly ranked against Darrell. And, you know, the, the WBO is an absolute mess. But it's not even worth talking about that, I don't think, at the moment. But I, I think it's more of a general problem I boxing today. I don't understand how people just get world title shots for not much weight. I understand if someone gets a voluntary like we had this Paul Smith debate and the Paul Smith debate's been on for years. You know, he just fit the mould as a good voluntary defence. You know, he was respectable. It was a good person on to have on your CV. Blah, blah, blah. But I don't understand how you man can be put into a position where he's, you know, mandated or anything like that. But I guess that's just boxing as a whole these days. Yeah, it is. Uh, one thing you did highlight in the post-fight interview with Showtime's Jim Gray is that Eubank did say if the opportunity comes up at middleweight he would move back down and he would move between the weights comfortably if there was an opportunity for a world title now one thing I haven't done is checked where he is ranked in the organisations at middleweight how far they've got him up if they have got him in the top 10 and I'm sure someone will be I don't think he's ranked to be honest well there you go well I don't I think he's been sort of taken out but I'm sure if he had one fight at middleweight he'd be reinstated back around 2-3 you know 4 in some divisions in some governing bodies because that's how it works (laughs) you know it's not a case of you know you come out and then you start again down outside top 15 so I'm sure if he has one fight at middleweight against a respectable name he'd be you know, placed back high up the rankings maybe maybe that's how it'll go down or maybe he will just stay up at super middleweight and, and look for a potential world title shot and obviously you touched on the fact that the WBO is a little bit of a mess at the moment and yeah you're right it is a mess and everyone else will agree it's a mess and I think that you know there's a cause for him to maybe push for, for, for that line in the super middleweight division but I'd rather not see it I'd rather him go for either the WBC against Durrell uh, or maybe go in uh, for the WBA dependent upon what happens with uh, obviously the regulars and, and all the rest of it we'll see but I, genuinely like if I recap what I felt about his performance I felt like it was the most composed I've ever seen him but again that was probably down to the fact that he was in a fight with somebody who didn't really want to get engaged in the fight so to speak so it was difficult for him to be able to get a lot of of his combinations and his shots off but when he did you could see how quickly it seemed to unravel De Gale uh, which led to to obviously the two knockdowns in the fight and I kind of feel if De Gale would have would have engaged more you probably would have seen a stoppage against De Gale you probably would have seen De Gale get stopped but I was I was happy to see him taking instructions from the corner so I was quite improved in, in you know, impressed that he was improved in that respect. I don't think they've they've taught him anything new. They've just they've just reined him in a little bit, and that's what it felt like in that fight. So, could I see him becoming a world champion if he gets a shot? Uh, uh, probably a, a weaker champion of the division. I'm saying that in inverted commas, weaker champion of the division. There's always one fighter in the division where you, you know, they become a world champion and you think well, they're easy pickings. That's kind of where I see it going for him. If he was to go in with someone like Callum Smith, as you said, Jordy, at this moment in time, I, I wouldn't back him at all. I wouldn't back him to win that. Caleb Plant. No, but I think if he can get, if he can get Darrell, maybe you know, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be putting my money on Darrell if I'm honest. If, he, if Eubank could get that shot but you know 
I just think the way he, his career has been handled and, you know, his dad and, and himself, really, because it's not all his dad, he's a difficult person as well. No fighter's going to just hand Chris Eubank a shot now because it's more hassle than it's actually worth. Not only do you have all the drama in the build-up and you have, you know, his dad going on an elegant speech for, like, 15 minutes at a press conference and stuff like that, you know, I'm sure they have a lot of demands and they probably regard themselves as world champions now holding that IBO belt. So, you know, the way the only way I can see Chris Eubank getting a shot is either someone pummels a load of money into him, which could be possible now because, you know, a big winner from Saturday was Al Heyman who sort of threw James DeGale off his roster and, you know, brought Chris Eubank Jr. in. So, you know, unless you... So, you know, Al Heyman starts offering people a crazy amount of money, then yes, maybe. But the only way I can see Chris Eubank getting a genuine world title shot at super middleweight, and middleweight to be honest, is if he's, you know, he's mandated because no one's going to really pick him as a voluntary. Going back to my point earlier, some people fit the bill as a good voluntary defence, and I just don't think Chris Eubank fits that. Well, let's move on then from, from this debate about the reaction to DeGale versus Eubank. I think we've given our thoughts really where we, where we sort of see things going for both men. Let's talk about the undercard and the chief support to this which was Joe Joyce and Bermain Stiverne and I, I thought Joe Joyce would pummel Bermain Stiverne uh, within three rounds however it went was it six seven I think it was six yeah so yeah we got it yeah got, I mean Stiverne Stiverne is what he is isn't he you know he's a good fighter when he's not you know grossly overweight the way he was it was quite <laughs> shocking to see but you know Joe Joyce is moving at a quick pace he's, he's so unorthodox his dimensions everything about him just crazy like a guy of his eyes and body shape just shouldn't be able to be as relentless as he is and he's a problem Joe Joyce I can see him you know he's moving very quickly yeah I know but a lot of people are are shitting on him though and saying like he's got the movement of a a, a crane uh, as in slow they're they're telling him he's dead slow but he's just so effective at what he does yeah and the real test will be against somebody who can can match him for the relentlessness and the speed and the power but I've got to admit and I said this on Saturday when I was watching the fight and I said to my to my missus when we was watching I said the thing with Joe Joyce is like regardless of how slow people might portray him as a, as a fighter or how he looks you don't see a lot of other heavyweights in the division, even your big names, as active and engaged in a fight as you see Joe Joyce. I mean, literally, he did not take yeah. one backward step in that fight. I think it's deceptive. Like, I think it maybe looks, it might look slow and ponderous to us, but I think if you was in that ring with him, God forbid me or you ever got in that ring with him, but, you know, as a fighter in there with him, I think it would be de- deceptive. I think I don't think he's as slow as ponderous as he looks. Is what I'm trying to say, you know, in in, in real time. You know, Joe Joyce's problem is when he's, you know, Mike's put into his face, and he's not the greatest at um, at talking. You know, he's not he's not the most charismatic man I've ever seen in the in my life. But you know, he's got his manager Sam Jones, who's a bit of a mouthpiece for him. But yeah, if someone tries to meet Joe Joyce head on, I think they're going to have to be very good or very tough to, you know, to beat him in that way. But I think. His may come if he faces, you know, you know, someone like a Nathan Gorman who's gonna, you know, yeah. box and sort of, you know, make difficult angles and stuff like that. I think that's where his problems will come. But if you try and, you know, walk straight and go head to head with uh, Joe Joyce, you're gonna have to be very good or very tough to be. Well, just just to point out your Sam Jones situation. Sam Jones to Joe Joyce is like Paul Heyman to Brock Lesnar in the WWE. He's an absolute, <laughs> he's an absolute perfect mouthpiece, and it's funny because. The yeah, guys, 
the guys over at uh, New Age Boxing, uh, their podcast, Martin, who runs their podcast down there, he w- he actually put that out on um, on Twitter a few days ago, and he said, "Does boxing need more mouthpieces for for some of the fighters?" and a lot of people was was putting little gifts in there of different mouthpiece people out of out of history, mainly from wrestling. But it's true when you get a good mouthpiece like like Sam was for for Joe in the press conference for the undercard of this event. He, you know, he had Bermain getting up, he had him getting angry, you know, he was he was chatting a load of shit, basically, and trash-talking him, and psychologically, we don't know how much that, that might have got him riled up and angry, and maybe if there was a game plan there for Bermain Stiver, maybe that kind of threw him off a little bit, and obviously with, yeah. with, with Joe being not the greatest talker on the <laughs> microphone, and he's not... Well, yeah, exactly. But with him, not, with him not being the greatest talker, when you've got somebody who can get that, basically get him over as a fighter, uh, you know, that's what that's what they're there for, really. If they can sell him to the public, then that's what they need to do. And 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 Joe's backing it up in the ring at the moment. And that win against Devern, regardless of what yeah. people say about him, regardless of the fact he was overweight and looked like he stepped out of Burger King, regardless of the fact he's he's not fought for two years. He is a name, he's a former world champion, and now after eight fights, Joe Joyce has just beaten a former world champion of only two years ago. Yeah, exactly, and you know, there's a place for people like Sam Jones in the sport, whether people like it or not. You know, it's quite clear, unless Joyce is not good at the public relations stuff, he's not good at talking, he's not, but what he can do is fight, so, you know, if you can get someone like Sam, you know, although he comes across as a bit of a lunatic, he's obviously quite switched on. So we can look after that stuff for Joe Joyce and allow Joe Joyce to just fight and, you know, do a little bit of sort of media here. And then that's going to work perfectly because, you know, Joe, Joe Joyce can fight. And, you know, if you look comparable to to the current world champions, I know people do a lot of comparison stuff nowadays with social media and stuff. You know, no one was fighting um, former world champions in the eighth fight. And I know Joe Joyce is getting on. He's not a young lad, but you know he's, he, you can't deny the pace he's moving at. And as I said, I think he's a real problem. And the only problem for Joe Joyce is that he can't slow down. Though you know his next fight after remains the main is going to have to be someone you know really, really, really fringe level. And yeah. I've seen people talking about Lewis Ortiz. I'm not sure that's the wisest fight at the moment. But you know it's only going to be have to. It's going to have to be someone of Lewis Ortiz's ability because you know you can't you can't just start going backwards, especially at age. Well, they were talking about that. That fight being, I don't know if it was true, but it was supposed to be stuck for some sort of WBO gold belt or something of that nature some like plastic pound shot belt that the WBA have decided to bring into into fashion but oh, not another one <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how true it was another I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean people might correct me on that I did read something about whether there was some sort of belt up for grabs here or whatever but I have also read that they're lining Marius Wack up as well for Joe Joyce which should be another good name on his record another like you said you can't really take yeah, a st- he's, a backwards step now, he's can you? Tailor made, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, he is. but I think you know he's Marius Fack is absolutely tailor made for Joe Joyce to just you know just ring combinations off her. But yeah, I think I like to keep it domestic, but and I don't think it'll, it will ever happen. But you know, I'd love to see him fight someone of like Nathan Gorman styled. You know, someone who is going to move and give him a bit of you know give him some problems rather than someone who's going to stand in front of him and just sort of 
to take the punishment sort of thing. But yeah, there's, there's very limited options for Joe Joyce, but it's exciting for us as fans because I can't really see him being in bad fights, to be honest, because he's either he's just going to keep punching and punching until he either knocks his opponent out or he walks onto one himself. So, you know, we've seen him in the amateurs. He, he, he has been hurt in the amateurs. So, you know, it's definitely, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on and someone who's going to be in good fights this year. Yeah, definitely. I, I have enjoyed his progress so far and I've wanted to see him do well. And people that have long time listened to this podcast will have heard me on numerous occasions said, I passionately say I want him to do well and I want him to progress quick and they're doing exactly what I want them to do with him as a fighter and, and that's great to see and now like you said you just want to see him take a continuous forward step rather than a backward step so I'll have to see where it goes but yeah just alluding back to what we were talking about before mouthpieces in boxing is an absolute 100% must for a fighter that cannot do any of the media stuff that is something I'd love to see in boxing for sure more of them just imagine at the press conferences two guys out of the mouthpieces going at it you'd, you'd want to see them get it on in the ring you never mind the fighters you know that I love it I, I do love seeing characters like that and obviously uh, I think it makes it a lot funnier that you know Sam Jones is quite you know he's not he's not the most intimidating t- intimidating fella in the world is he? he's got like a you know bright white teeth and he looks like sort of Tony Ways Essex but you know the fact that he's there on a heavyweight is just is just funny in itself but as you say whether we like it or not or you know if we do like it there's a place for people like that in the sport and you know he's I know he's not calling all the shots for Joe Joyce but he's doing a good job and he's getting Joe Joyce name out there as well as his own so yeah there's definitely a problem like that just you know it's just there's a very fine line between getting it right and looking stupid I think yeah I agree well let's move on Lee Selbit returning moving up to lightweight for the first time in what was a very very tough fight for him against Omar Douglas in a fight that maybe people were underestimating would be an easy fight for him and it wasn't it was a fucking difficult one for him the fact that he ended up with two cuts one over each eye and he managed to still box his way to a comfortable points decision against a guy who was there to to win and a guy who actually might have thought he might have won and that was an interesting fight to, to see him up at lightweight and it took him a few rounds to get going but once he got going Selby looked as good as I've seen him before and I was glad to see him back I'm just my only concern with with Selby at the moment is is he is getting cut quite easily and obviously the cut against Warrington and now this cut but he over in this fight for me he overcame that adversity whereas the Warrington fight you know he had the cut but there was the issue of them talking about weight and I read an article about him the other day where on weighing day or the day before weighing day he was he was what he was doing is he, he was chewing his food and then spitting it out to make the weight which is quite shocking to hear yeah that's what yeah you know i i sort of wrote a little piece for us on on um you know on the saturday and i read the same myself in terms of you know doing stuff like that is you know so unhealthy not just physically but you know mentally too to be putting yourself through that but i think saturday was good for lee selby because what would he have learned from you know just going in there and uh, knocking someone over he needed to see whether he could do it at lightweight, whether you know he still had the sort of the desire to go deep into fights. And because at the end of the day, as we're saying with James Gale, Lee Selby's been world champion as well. There's not much for him to, to him to achieve again. So you know, I think Saturday was exactly what Lee Selby needed. It was a good competitive fight. He he'd be this weekend. You know, even though he's been in a fight, but I think once the cuts heal and once his body's sort of recovered a little bit, I think he'll be very happy with you know his introduction to the lightweight division. And I'm really really looking forward to watching Lee Selby in some good fights at lightweight. Wait, I think you know he's a master boxer, he's Buffalo, and you know he, he's he's another one. He could quite easily end up in a you know right to a title shot quite quickly. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that on Selby's part. I think Selby is a very good boxer, and I think 
we we, we want to see him in, in another great fight soon. I think he's at the stage of his career where he's about 32. Uh, I think himself 31, 32, and obviously he's one and going to want to be pushing for a world title shot pretty quickly. So I, I wouldn't begrudge him it really, to be honest with you. I think if he can do that uh, and, and overcome that adversity and easily easily outbox a very tough opponent, then then fair play to him. He'll need to get another win at lightweight. I think before they put him in for a world title, but I think I could see him in there with any of the big lightweights and and. and giving a really good competitive fight for sure but yeah it was good to see him back I was happy to see him back in the ring and I've seen that he's donated his shorts for someone local who's suffering with a, a rare form of cancer and he's put them up for auction I've noticed on, on Facebook today which is really good of him to do that and hopefully that'll you know make a lot of money for that particular individual and help them but he's, he's just a sound guy and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him back in the ring so other fights then on that card the one that was televised was Ricky Summers and Andre Sterling which were another guy it was a pretty grueling fight as well for as long as it, it lasted uh, when he went the distance and I, I thought Ricky Summers when he knocked Sterling down in the second round was actually going to cause an upset and it wasn't to be but it was a really good fight to watch for the first fight on the televised version of the card yeah it was it was uh, you know Andre Sterling you know these lads who fought predominantly on smaller hall shows you know once they get this television exposure they've got to sort of stake the claim and you know make sure people remember the fight and although the fight in the hall I don't think it was a great fight you know you'll definitely be on people's people's lips now for potential fights you know I seen this fight his interviews after and he was sort of ringing off the usual names down the yard to the world and stuff like that and fundamentally that's what their aim's going to be now you know to get them big domestic fights and that's how you push on in your career you know you have a big domestic fight you sort of come through it or you make a name for yourself and you know, the blueprints there from people in the past that's how you that's how you get on in the sport and you know, as I say fundamentally that's just what these lads are trying to do yeah, absolutely well that was uh, that sort of for me kind of sums up that that card really I think it was a relatively decent card we had over in America we had Anthony Durrell against uh, I can't pronounce his first name is it Avril Yildirim who Eubank knocked out last year and we were talking about it earlier on in the episode about the fact that obviously he'd been ranked really highly Yildirim and been given this title shot against Anthony Durrell and and Durrell won with a very close decision which kind of speaks volumes about the way Eubank dispatched of him and I know obviously styles make fights and that, that style of Eubank's made for a good fight against Yildirim but it, it was good to see how Yildirim was able to bounce back from that and, and take Durrell to a very very close decision and now it kind of leaves us wondering whether Eubank will get a world title shot and whether it will be against someone like Anthony Durrell for the WPC title if he stays at super middleweight for a world title shot that's probably the likely title shot that he's going to get if any that's what I think and that's my sort of final thought on the whole Eubank situation from earlier is that Durrell would probably be the man to try and aim for if he's going to go anywhere in the super middleweight division yeah as you've said to me a couple of times you know it's not to be disrespectful to any boxer at all but in the rankings there's always a weaker champion so to speak and I think if you're disregarding the WBO because God knows what's happening over there you know is is Darrell probably an easier fight than Callum Smith Canelo or I know Canelo's very unrealistic but Callum Smith Canelo or 
um, Caleb Plant, and you know you've got to say it is. You know, there's there's obviously evidence of how Anthony Dero can be beat, and I think Eubank could really fancy that job. So it's one of them. It's just um, I think he's got he's got to aim somewhere, and he's been down and planning his career after his win on Saturday night. I'm sure he's sitting there going, you know, let's push on in the WBC and try and get that shot. But just to reiterate my point earlier, I think he's going to have to sort of be in a shot, in a position where they can't not give him a shot because if someone's going to pick Eubank Union as a volunteer defence, then you know all the best to them really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see where where his career takes him now in 2019 with his first. For me, as I said at the start of the episode and kind of coming towards the end of the episode, it's really where he has got his first major major win. And the like I said, the Yildirim win looks even better now. Now he's beaten De Gale and now Yildirim went and fought Darrell and took him the distance and took him close. So it looks better, and you know the future looks bright for him and, and it's good to see him finally start and, and, and I say this very lightly start to reach some of his potential now I know probably people are sat there at this point going ah you know what what are you talking about but I've always seen him as a guy who's got potential who's just never really started to fulfill it and this this could be the start of it you know as a fight fan as a British fight fan regardless of whether people love the guy or hate him I would like to see him do well just because I had great memories of his father growing up and what he did and what he achieved and the fights he was involved in I would like to see him do well and I hope being grounded like he was for this fight will stay that way in the next fight and I hope we know we get another British world champion in the next 12 months in the super middleweight division we'll wait and see we know what the Eubanks are like in a few months time we could be sat here going oh what a wanker yeah what about just that sheriff badge that was probably the best part of the night for me <laughs> you know, the bloke is an absolute barn pot, isn't he? Like, I've never seen anything like it. You know, the way he went off on a tangent in the test this was classic. But then, you know, the way he gets dressed and stuff like that, I just, you know, he just the, the bloke absolutely amazes me. I don't, I don't know what planet he's from, but what a fighter! But absolutely bonkers as a fellow. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Did I, did I mention it on the preview episode? For I think I might have done the video of him singing "Come By" in the middle of a group of people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just, I don't know. Honest to God, I, I do. I used to believe it was an act. I used to believe you know he can't be like that in real life. Because the more I see him, the more I just think. Oh, I don't even think he understands what he's doing. He's just an absolute lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Anyway, shall we wrap it up? Is there anything else you want to add to this reaction show for DeGale and Eubank? No, I think, you know, in the midst of it all, really, like, should, you know, remember just what James DeGale did achieve. You know, and we've never actually become a favourite with um, the British fans for one reason or another, but, you know, he's an immense, immensely talented lad. He's achieved so much in the sport. He was obviously made his be in the first gold uh, Olympic gold from Britain to to win a world title. So you know, as he said, he's definitely left his mark in the sport. But well done to Eubank. You know, hopefully he kicks on from this point. But you know, it's, it it should be remembered just you know how good James the girl was in his in his plan. Absolutely, and obviously I, I can't give credit enough to what he has achieved in the sport and this is not an episode for us to sit here and, and, and slag the gale off because he does look like he needs to retire now uh, I'm very much happy for him if he does retire and what he has achieved in boxing and you know the guy although he didn't probably reach the heights fan wise of what some of the other British fighters have over the years he still achieved a lot more than what a lot of boxers will ever do in the sport and for that I've got to applaud him and, and and, and you know 
fair play to the guy but I haven't got anything else to add to this reaction show uh, there's probably only one little thing we need to do for this episode and that's to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast which is Bear Attack Boxing you've heard me talk about them on every single episode and you know what they're getting some great quality boxing gloves going on out there they've been in boxing monthly every month for the past couple of months so they're making their little own mark on the boxing world and there's so many different brands of boxing gloves out there it's absolutely ludicrous just as many boxing gloves as there are boxing podcasts at the moment out there but as a sponsor for our podcast we wouldn't have got them on board if we didn't feel they were going somewhere and they were going to achieve something in that market so if you've not already heard about them or seen them go and find their website which is www.bearattackboxing.co.uk and you can find them all over the social media Bear Attack Boxing and At Attack Boxing on Twitter as well well that's it guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of James D. Gale versus Chris Eubank Jr is Eubank Jr going to be a world champion one day? Well, we'll find out. Podcast Network.